Hello, welcome to this podcast called Finding Inspiration. It's a 20 or so minute weekly podcast where we interview someone with an amazing story. After the show, I know you're going to feel energized, invigorated, and inspired. I'm Jennifer Weissman. Welcome to Finding Inspiration. Today's episode is about paying it forward, and we have the opportunity to speak to someone who embodies that very phrase. Guy Amar is an Israeli entrepreneur in Ukraine this very moment. He's a CEO and founder of two very successful public companies. When the war started, Guy sent all of his employees to Poland, and he was there in a 13,000 square foot office building, and he decided to convert that into a refugee center and to help refugees. And that's what he's been doing since the beginning of this war. So I'm speaking with Guy Amar, an Israeli entrepreneur who's been living in the Ukraine since 2016. Mm-hmm. So what's your real day job, Guy? What, what do you really do? So uh, I'll share a little bit about myself. So uh, I'm 28 years old. I grew up in Jerusalem, uh, in Israel. Uh, all of my life uh, I spent there. Uh, so I was serving in the Israeli uh, IDF. Uh, in the Minister of uh, uh, Security Defense. And uh, I, got, I gained my technical experience uh, while I was using, while, while I was serving in the Army. So uh, immediately when I finished uh, uh, my uh, serving in the Israeli Army in age of 22, uh, I had an idea for a startup. I looked for a strong partner. Uh, I able to find uh, someone amazing, my, my dear partner, Adi Katz. And together we start our January uh, uh, to run our startup. So we established the startup in Jerusalem in 2016. Uh, and I don't need to tell you about the situation with developers in Israel. Yeah, So it's insane to get qualified people. And also the prices are very hard. In 2016, still you will able to find talents in the market. But uh, for a small startup that is uh, self-founded, it was almost impossible uh, to hire people for 10, 12, 14, 15 Ks a month. Uh, so what we did, basically, we look for outsource offshore uh, services. So we went into the Ukraine. Um, we searched about the cities in Ukraine and we found out that Lviv, uh, it's very developed cities and very big IT community over there. So I came to the Ukraine. We started to work with some offshore company. Uh, unfortunately, our experience with them was not so successful. Uh, we had a developer. He earned, uh, uh, at least as we thought, uh, $4,000 $5,000 a month. Uh, and basically, in reality, he just gained $1,000. So we understand that the company is cutting huge margin and was no transparency with us. Uh, so that the moment, it was uh, the day that I made the decision that I don't want to work with this type of people. Uh, that are not telling the truth. And I took two suitcases uh, without knowing the language, without knowing the, the, the city, and I just moved to Ukraine. Uh, so since then, uh, and let's say the end of 2016, around October 16, uh, I came into the Ukraine uh, and I started to establish our own R&D center over here in the city. Uh, since then, we had uh, a roller coaster like every startup had. So I'm the CTO uh, and the co-founder of uh, Group 107. Uh, Group 107. Group 107. We are a public company. We listed in the Israeli stock market. 
Uh, we just made an IPO in last September in uh, Rosh Hashanah. So we just launched our company in the Israeli stock market. The company have two main activities. Uh, one of the activity, it's a company named Levent. Levent, it's a fintech company that providing trading platform. Uh, we are in production in the five uh, banks of uh, the Ben Lumi Group, the first international bank of Israel. Uh, the, the, the system named in Israel branded as Smart Trade. So we have a lot of, uh, I can say, thousands of people that are using our system every day, trading on shares and stocks uh, and different options and stuff like that on the, uh, on the local stock market and international different stock market. Uh, and the other company that we basically establish, it's a company named Israel IT. So basically, it's a service company. We're providing uh, Ukrainian developers uh, uh, to market leaders and market giants and startups from all over the world. Uh, so we have over 300 employees. Uh, that I'm managing here in our R&D center in Lviv. So basically in my day-to-day, to be honest, Jennifer, I'm 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 super geeky guy. I like to write a code. I like to, uh, you know, working with my clients, uh, doing uh, code reviews, checking pull requests of my developers uh, and do stuff like that. I understand you're a super geeky guy, but at this point, you've become an unofficial official in Ukraine during this very, very intense, dangerous war, and you chose to stay in Ukraine instead of coming back to Israel or going somewhere else. And you've actually transitioned to doing something other than your IT work. You're helping Ukrainians out of Ukraine by the busload. So you're in your Israel IT building. I think it's a pretty large building, right? You're not that far from the border of Poland. Correct. How did you end up managing to move refugees out and basically becoming the unofficial consulate, the unofficial official in the Ukraine moving people? How did that happen? Basically, uh, you know, we was listening not to the Israeli Minister of uh, Foreign Affairs. We was listening to Biden. Basically, before the war started, uh, he is President Biden. Yeah, he definitely shouted out that uh, Russia going to attack Ukraine and they have plans. The U.S. intelligence provide very precise information before the war started. We start our preparation as a company one month before it started. So we evacuated our employees to Poland before we had the main obligation and all of these laws came into a reality. So we sent our people uh, to Poland. We find for them a, a hotel and a place to work. Uh, most of our people already located in Poland. So once I started to do that uh, and evacuating my people, I understood that, okay, I got already the connections with the bus companies and how much cost. I understand that uh, I can help more people. So I just post in the social media, in Facebook uh, and Instagram, that uh, if there is any Jews, Israelis, or any humanitarian cases in Ukraine, they need help or with a place to sleep, to eat, to get a shower, or they need help crossing the border, please contact. I was over. Posted this on Facebook and yeah, Facebook. That's all. Okay, so you put up a little notice. Hey, anybody need a shower? Let me know. Direct message me. And what happened? Wow. What happened? I was overwhelmed. It's like thousands, thousands of people just start to call me, WhatsApp me, Messenger me, Telegram. Uh, besides Snapchat and Tinder, from everywhere I got, I start to get, uh, <laughs> I start to get a lot of uh, 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 calls and, and people that need help. So I found myself, like you mentioned, uh, the unofficial Israeli consul uh, in Lviv. Very important to say that the, uh, the the real Israeli consul they evacuated them out. So it's meant that there was no real Israeli representative uh, in Ukraine, in the western part in Ukraine, in Lviv when the war started. So it's kind of a vacuum created, and I was the, I think, the right guy in the right time. And, and I just, you know, I, I think I did what every good human being, never mind his religion, his color, is where he's coming from, his story, 
should do or I expect them to do. Uh, so I opened my offices. Basically, we convert two floors. Uh, the first floor, we have a huge office, 4,000 square meters. Let's say Google campus style. Uh, so you have the gaming area, sport area, a lot of cool stuff, cafeteria and stuff like that. So we started to convert our office to uh, basically to become a refugee center. Every day uh, it came to our office between 200 to 300 people in the beginning of the war. Uh, we give them place to sleep, to eat, to drink, to get a shower. And in the morning we are departing them to the borders. We had buses cooperating with uh, uh, other organizations like the Jewish community in Germany, uh, other communities worldwide. And we start transfer people outside of the country. Who's funding this guy? So in the first week of the war, I basically found it from my own pocket. You know, I'm owner of a public company. So all of you can see my salary. It's a public information. Uh, so I have a good salary. I can afford myself. So I spend around the 40, 50 Ks USDs in the beginning of the war just to support, you know, it's not just the buses. You need to pay for the cleaning ladies and you need to buy food and you need to buy product. And suddenly, you know, the, the toilet papers, the quantity of toilet papers that people need, it's insane. People coming as refugees, you need to understand it. They're coming with nothing with them, nothing, only their small luggage. So it's coming from shampoos, deodorant, every basic thing that all of us needed. You converted your office into a refugee center and then you funded that for an entire week. It started, what, February 24th or so, the war? Exactly. But I must say that people already start to come to us at the 22, at the 23rd. Uh, one day, two days, even before the war, we started all of this organization. Basically, after that, I just saw that if I'm not start to raising some money, uh, I will not able to help any more people. So I just, again, go to the social media, post it out. Generous and very amazing people donate uh, for us money. We're able to raise around additional 60Ks, something like that. And, and you know, we start to found a company or uh, some um, official help from the Israeli government, at least to help us with the buses. So I start to get connected with a lot of people. And again, I found myself doing diplomatic work that I'm not supposed to do. You're an entrepreneur all the way through. Yeah, exactly. You know, the experience that we have as entrepreneurs that we know how to handle uh, extreme situations uh, when we know, you know, how to handle a very hard uh, amount of uh, hard cases a day. And also when we figured out that uh, if we will not be strong and we will break under the pressure, so all the pyramid will collapse. So this is the power that engage me or give me the opportunity to be strong and to be basically a role model to my team, to the volunteering team, and to continue helping people. Because Jennifer, I must tell you, when we are seeing those people and you're meeting the refugees face to face and you're hearing the stories, I had like a few moments that I went out to my cabinet, to my uh, to my office, and I just cried. Because I, 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 in front of the people, it was very hard. I need to be strong. But I have my moments of break. It just, it just you know, eat me from the inside. Can you share... A couple of the stories that you're hearing. Sure. I will take you for the beginning of the war. Like I had a guy, his name is Itamar. He's an Israeli um, journalist, basically. Uh, he was in the other part of Ukraine, around uh, next to Kharkiv, uh, next to Kharkov. Uh, it's, let's say, 14, 15 hours, usually driving from this part to Lviv uh, in Ukraine. Uh, this poor guy basically came here a few days just to take some pictures for another article that he did. And he found himself in the middle of the bombing. Uh, so he had some rent car. He started to drive his car to try to flee from the country. And he found himself, found himself driving for 46 hours in a row without option to sleep, without option to stop. He just needed to flee for his life. And the first thing that he came to my office that I did, just give him a big hug uh, because the person was crashed. He was 
mentally destroyed. And I think that the hug and the support that we give him here and his joy back to life, that he's okay, I'm in good hands. I'm in a place that they will take care of me. And it was very emotional. And the most touching part in that, it's when his wife was calling me from Israel and also basically was uh, so grateful for the help that we provide for her husband because he was literally thought that he's gone, that she's going to lose him. And I don't need to tell you the effect of people without sleeping. He started illusion stuff and he had a lot of stories about the, the way that he got, uh, he'd been through. I was mostly happy to see him with his family, with his kids back in Israel. Uh, and it was very uh, uh, amazed. And this is what gave me the extra boost in the first days to continue with what I'm doing. Uh, but then when the war continue, uh, the harder stories start to, to flow. So, And what are those? So we had a family from uh, the city of uh, Kherson, also already occupied by the Russian. It already have some Russian police over there already. And uh, this family was renting out five family members, a, a dad, a mom, two kids, and a grandma, and a dog. Uh, and to my center arrive only four. Uh, basically, the grandma has been shot in the back when they tried to run away. Uh, the Russian shoot her and kill her. In front of the, front family? Of the family? All of them was running away uh. and trying to get into the bus and they just shoot her to die. I don't need to tell you how it's hard that you're leaving your grandma on the street uh, <laughs> and just running for your life. The kids, uh, nine years old and 12 years old, when they came here, uh, they just didn't able to hold it anymore. So uh, the story is like a very hard story, especially for us, you know, as a Jewish people. When we have all of the ceremonies, when someone is dying and the Shiva and, and all the rest of the stuff that has been required to do, those people was devastated. It's like they come here and just fall down and I need to bring here a doctor to help them and the psychology and for the kids a little bit just to try to help them as much as we can before we uh, depart them out from the country. Now, you need to understand that those people right now. I think already arrived to Israel. The grandma, no one knows what's going on there. Who someone buried or if if someone take care of the body or no one knows. So I don't know how they will come back and and which world they will find and and how they can live with that. Yeah, are you seeing children traveling alone at this point? At this point, no. But when the let's say ten days ago, yeah, I saw I saw kids traveling alone. Uh, we had few cases like that that uh, we helped for some kids under eighteen. Uh, I can tell you that we have the youngest one was nine years old. And it was traveling. Why was the nine-year-old alone? Like the parents sent them ahead? Uh, the parents put them in some bus and basically didn't able to go into the bus. From I'm talking from the east side. So the bus came here to the western part of Ukraine and the kid is alone. Again, he, he just have the phone number, the information of the parents. Of course, we got in touch with them. We create official letter by their side and we give them to, uh, uh, we basically took the kid outside of Ukraine, Poland, we find a safe place for her, uh, that she can stay there till the war will end. Uh, and there is a good, amazed people also from the Polish side that helping and, and doing a lot of charity and volunteering work in this aspect. Are you hearing any bombing near you? Any concern about your safety? So, you know, I have a Jewish mom and I don't need to tell you how it works. Uh, even that I'm not in the heart of the war, let's say. Uh, she's worried a lot. So we had a bombing uh, next to us uh, a few days ago. Uh, basically, the Russian bombed some uh, uh, military object uh, next to the city of Lviv, around uh, uh, 15, 20 kilometers from the city center. And was another bombing like 40, 50 kilometers from here. 
for Yaboriv. It was a big military uh, area. So we heard the bombing. We saw the smoke. Uh, I'm an Israeli, you know. So we grew up in the first intifada, the second intifada. Uh, I saw buses bombed. I lose my friends in terrorist attacks in Israel. Uh, so bombing is not that scary for me. Uh, the only thing that all the time I have in mind, it's when I'm seeing the kids or the Holocaust survivor, the older people, the 90s, the, the 85, uh, people that you can see here, the number on their hand, hands over here. Uh, and you see those people that basically run away when the World War II started and run away from Ukraine to Russia uh, to get a shelter in Russia. Now they need to run from the Russia. Uh, and, and this is insane. You're seeing Holocaust yeah, survivors? We had a lot of cases of Holocaust survivors. Uh, I think we're able to rescue around 60 or 50 Holocaust survivors already. Amazing. This is so amazing. I hope you're keeping great notes of what you're seeing. This is really important work that you're doing. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just amazed at your strength and, and your willingness to put yourself in what most people would say is harm's way. My next question to you is, how do you see this ending? Oh, uh, the, the $1 million question. Uh, uh, so yeah. from my side, I see it ending that I will celebrate Pesach in Israel. And this is 100% going to happen. And I declared it, never mind what's going to happen with Ukraine. I told you I have my own uh, uh, Putin at home. And if I want to be in Israel, <laughs> I will have my own war. So I think that Ukraine proved herself as a strong nation. Everyone saw that, okay, Russia will take Ukraine in 22, 24 hours. And we are almost a month in this war. And the Russian didn't have a huge, uh, you know, success in their operation. Uh, they just create damage and just, let's say, butcher. And, and I think this is the right word to describe that, just butcher. Women, kids, yeah. children, babies, pregnant women, Holocaust survivor, old people, even animals, dogs, cats, horses. And, you know, I didn't believe in the 2022. I will be watching something like that, uh, even with, that we are coming from a, a country that no wars and, and we, we saw some hard stuff. But this is this is taking you for dark ages. It's taking you 70, 80 years ago, really for dark ages when... Basically, people have been shot on the streets uh, just because they are Ukrainians, not because they did something bad, not because they, you know, warned or, or did something against Russia, just because who they are. Of course, I'm not comparing to the Holocaust and I'm not comparing for what happened in, in, in 1939 to 1945. This is totally crazy. There is a, a starting to have, you know, very sim similar parts or similar stories that we heard back then and to the stories that we're hearing today. Uh, for example, I'll give you another story from the last few days. A group of refugees that basically want to evacuate it from the country found themselves with some, let's say, non-very good people. Uh, they took them to some field, basically just robbed them, took all the gold, all the money that they have, dropped them in the middle of the field <laughs> and ran away. They promised them they would take them with buses and evacuate them out of the country and stuff like that. You know, this is remind me when the, when the Jews was fleeing out and some... Other people was catching them and taking their gold and we see it on the movies. Connotation, it's, it's hard. It's hard connotation to, to, to the dark ages. Moving in the wrong direction. Do you have any concern that Putin would unleash chemical weapons? So this is a big fear. Uh, I think it's something that, uh, you know, we need to be prepared for. Because if Putin said that Ukraine have chemical weapons, it's mean that he's winning his chemical weapon. And again, I'm, I'm watching carefully and listening uh, to President Biden and all the U.S. intelligent uh, forces because they provide precise information from the beginning of this war. My hope is that he will not use it. I'm ready. Um, we have some gas masks that we got. 
for that. I know if it will help. Right. My last question to you is, when this is all over, do you see Ukraine rebuilding itself? 300% yes. And even stronger Ukraine that we saw. Uh, there will be some occupied parts that I think in the negotiation on the truce agreement will stay by the Russians. Uh, this is 100%. But I think the world, first of all, really want to support Ukraine. And we see the solidarity on the, let's say, most the developed world, the Western part of the world, is very pro-Ukrainian. And I will tell you something about Israel and Ukraine. Uh, in terms of the IT sphere, our nations are bonded. Uh, 60% of the outsourced services in Ukraine, uh, it's belong to the Israeli companies. Uh, so it's, it's huge numbers. And uh, when Israel have this connection, and Israel is the startup nation, and you know the IT nation, and the scale-up nation, uh, and our our companies already is becoming more U.S. companies. Like we saw hundreds of companies from Israel in the past few years uh, IPOing themselves in the uh, U.S. stock market. We're creating a bond that it's U.S., Israel, Ukraine, and it's a very strong bond. And I truly believe that the West part of the world will invest a lot of money here to reconstruct and re-help Ukraine. Uh, but it might take a few good years when Ukraine will back to what you want. Is there anything that, that you need people could support you with? I mean, what is, what is it you need? So for now, we are pretty okay because I'm an IT guy. I'm I'm fanatic of automation. So I really fast created an automated system, uh, basically in our office. So we have a... Uh, the call center, they're answering the people phone calls and available 24-7. Created automated uh, system that's registering the people for the buses. And once they're coming here, so we have kind of, you know, the station. So you're coming into the office, you're getting your uh, small pack with shampoo, deodorant, shaving tools, uh, hygiene products, everything. Then you're moving next, you're going to the uh, wardrobe so you can choose if you need some clothes, some stuff. Uh, and then you're going to the kids area if you have kids so you can choose your... Uh, what you need for your kid, if it's a uh, special food, uh, bottles, stuff like that. So we create few stations. Then when a family came to us, so they're going through the station and, you know, it's, it's we put it inside some specific rooms. So it will be comfort. The door is closed so they can take whatever they want without feel any guilt about it. And for now, thanks God, we are pretty okay. Uh, we are okay still. We have some money, some funds to continue running the operation for the next 10 days easy. If people want to donate, how would they do that? So unfortunately, I'm not in an official organization. And as I told, uh, uh, I'm a private person, entrepreneur, they're doing it everything voluntarily. And I didn't have the time or the chance, you know, to start to go to create some uh, additional uh, a company or charity organization for all of this stuff. And I really don't want to do it. It's not my cup of tea. So I posted in my Facebook page the, uh, the bank details of my bank detail in Israel. Uh, so I'm using my own personal credit cards all the time to use and, and buy the money. You know, you can use the credit, so I have some time to pay it back. So I'm using my own personal credit card. So people that want to donate can send the money to my account. I'm using uh, the money through the credit uh, card here in Ukraine. So I'm buying everything with a credit card. You are absolutely inspirational, amazing, truly, truly an incredible guy, Guy. I really appreciate, I love that. You have the perfect name. I wish you safety. I want you to have continued success. I will list your bank information in the show notes here. So if anybody wants to contribute, it will be available to them. I thank you so much for your time. Maybe we can talk again in a, in a week or two. Hopefully it'll all be over by then. 
Definitely. But if not, maybe you can give me a quick update on what you're seeing and what you're hearing. Definitely. So feel free. I'm here. I'm available all the time. And I really thanks for the for the interview and helping me sharing the story and passing forward and let the other people that they can do something, just do something. Don't don't stay on the side and let this horror to, to go in front of your eyes and sitting doing nothing. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Thank you for joining us this week on Finding Inspiration. Hey. I would appreciate it if you would click on that subscribe button and share this podcast with a friend. See you next week. I'm Jennifer Weissman.